You're listening to a special edition of My Safe LA's Fire and Life Safety Podcast, remembering the Northridge earthquake 20 years later. Hi, everybody. This is Cameron Barrett, and you are tuned to another My Safe LA Fire and Life Safety Podcast. We're continuing with our January special podcasts, which are remembrances of the Northridge earthquake. Hard to imagine, but that happened 20 years ago. And today we are joined by Battalion Chief Greg Gibson of the Los Angeles Fire Department, a good friend of mine and a wonderful fire officer. Hi, Greg. Hello. How are you doing, Cameron? I'm doing great, thanks. Uh, The reason why we asked you on to talk about Northridge is because you were a member of the Los Angeles Fire Department back in January 17th, 1994, and you have uh, probably some very interesting stories to tell about what that day was like. What What was your rank in your assignment back then? I was a captain, a station commander, and I was assigned to Fire Station 64. To give you an idea where that's at, it's 108th and Main Street, and down, uh, way down in South L.A. A lot of folks think that the Northridge earthquake hit Northridge, <laughs> but it was felt all over, wasn't it? Absolutely. Um, of course, it hit, happened very early in the morning, and that, the interesting aspects of earthquakes are not like... Uh, the Santa Ana winds that blow in this area, uh, that could be quite, uh, quite mild where you're at, but uh, very violent in the other parts of the city. Earthquakes, you'll feel them everywhere. You just don't know if you're at the epicenter or it's somewhere else. Just after, what, 4.30 in the morning is when the yeah. quake actually hit. What were you doing? Were you were you on duty at that time, or were you getting ready to come in to, uh, to work your shift? Actually, I was on duty, um, and of course, working 24 hours, I was uh, in bed, uh, asleep. And when it hit, my first concern was all the uh, bookshelves that were around me, thinking, "Boy, I should should have thought of this a little earlier." Wondering if these things would be falling on me. Fortunately, that didn't take place. But immediately got up and uh, got all my resources, all my personnel out of the station, so that we could respond to anything uh, and wouldn't be trapped by our own structure that we were in. And, you know, that's kind of an interesting point that you make because a lot of different things can happen to some of these fire stations that are around the city. Some of them, you know, are not the newest structures. The fire station that you were in, was it earthquake ready? Actually, uh, it didn't sustain any damage, but it was an, it was an older station. Actually, they've rebuilt it since that date. Uh, and, again, you'd mentioned Northridge, the station that was near the epicenter, they couldn't get out of the station because they was, there was so much damage to that fire station. Wow, and I, I, we've spoken to a, a lot of fire officers that were on duty that day, and there's a really varying reports about how doors couldn't be opened because they'd been shaken off their tracks and a lot of stuff. That you, It sounds as though you could go right into earthquake mode and, and get your people out of the fire station that, that early morning? Well, exactly uh, the case, but uh, no power like all the other uh, – People in the area that we served, there was no power on, so we uh, opened the apparatus doors manually, got our apparatus out, shut them, and then went to survey our district as all our fire uh, companies are directed to do. Now, what was the reaction? You were in charge of um, a fire station. You were mm-hmm. a station commander at the time. And it's, it's like you know being a, a lieutenant on the ground as a Marine. I mean, you're in charge of a small group of people, and um, you're their leader. You're, you're the boss. Um, how did how did your crew react? Were they pretty controlled and, and calm about the uh, 
about the situation, or were there some pretty wide eyes? Well, I think everybody uh, took it in stride. Obviously, it was a pretty good shake, even in South L.A. Uh, we knew we'd had a pretty significant earthquake, and like I mentioned previously, you never know how big it is because you don't know where the epicenter. We always are looking for information, and eventually we found out where the epicenter was and how significant the damage was. In our area, it wasn't as bad. However, we don't live in our area, and our immediate concerns are not only for our, our own safety and the people we serve, but our homes, and if we're in the target area. Tell me about that. Were you worried? Did you at the time live near the epicenter? Uh, were you trying to call your wonderful wife? Uh, were you worried about your sons? I think everybody uh, felt the same as I did. Yes, we were concerned because trying to get information, um, you listen to a radio, you turn on the radio uh, that you may have. Nowadays, we have all kinds of communication. 20 years ago, not quite the same, but we were able to find out where the epicenter was, and then we tried to call. Now, think about that. How do you call? Yeah, that's something we should talk about. Tell me a little bit about that. What do you mean, how do you call? You're telling me the phones weren't working, were they? No, they weren't. Uh, so you could use any uh, phone in the fire station, and we weren't getting anywhere with that. Um, we were getting some information through our own fire department uh, communications and getting a clearer picture where some of the damage was uh, and seeing how widespread it was. And, of course, we all have cell phones now and everything else, but... Uh, uh, that wasn't the case 20 years ago, and fortunately, some people did have some things, and I recall I was able to call home and find out that there was some damage, but everybody was okay, and that was all I needed. And then you could start concentrating on the people that you're in, uh, really uh, in charge of taking care of in your first in district. Was it? Uh, tell us about your first in back then. Is it a crowded uh, residential area? Well, it's a uh, bedroom community, if you will, South Los Angeles, older part of L.A., um, bedroom community, as I stated, a lot of chimneys. So we had a lot of uh, chimneys crack or fall or some damage in that respect. And a lot of the calls were going on were um, gas leaks, as would be common during an earthquake. Now, what do you do for for uh, for people? I mean, you're at this point trying to assess your uh, your uh, district. You're trying to make sure that there aren't really big problems happening, mm -hmm. and if you check the district and there aren't any really big problems. What does a fire station crew do after an earthquake? First is survey. See what damage. Now, when we talk about a disaster, if you slam your uh, your finger with a hammer, that's a disaster in a, in a minor scale, if you will. If you have people crushed inside a structure, if you have hospitals down, freeways down, the smash finger takes a lower priority. So you have to assess it from the standpoint of how much damage do I have and do I have the biggest problem in the city? Because it has to be looked a little more globally than just what you're looking at. And you can't jump in and try to address things uh, in your district knowing that you may be needed somewhere else. Yeah, and, and tell us about that because there are iconic disasters that happened that day. Everybody knows about mm -hmm. Northridge Meadows apartments and all that. Mm -hmm. Would but you were you were pretty far away from there. You were down in South L.A. I was in South L.A. for probably an hour. And by uh, 6 a.m., I was already in the San Fernando Valley with most of my crew. Because, obviously, we assessed the city. We knew that there was damage throughout the city. But the biggest hazards were in more in the San Fernando Valley and, like you mentioned, Northridge. And we had 
the hillside homes collapsed. We had structures down. Uh, obviously, at Cal State Northridge, a lot of uh, issues there. Freeway uh, had collapsed, and so we were uh, pulled into the San Fernando Valley Fire Station 88, which is in Sherman Oaks, and then we were uh, dispatched out of there. Tell me some of the things that uh, that you guys did on that, no doubt, very long day. I mean, you were supposed to go off duty at about 6.30 in the morning. You obviously yes. didn't. That's exactly right. As most of the people were working that morning, uh, would have been getting off, but uh, there's no going off when we have disasters like that. Um, matter of fact, people would come in from home just to see if they could to augment our resources to help out. Um, yes, we were assigned uh, structures in, in, in areas. They said, could you assess this area, if you will, and see what kind of issues we have? And you'd find apartment buildings crushed. Uh, you'd find uh, houses collapsed on hillsides. There were uh, rescues being uh, done, and we were asked to not only assess the damage, but also to try to minimize it. And as I mentioned prior, we'd have gas leaks. Well, you can't just walk by those because if you uh, leave those in some of these larger commercial occupancies, you have a much bigger hazard uh, a little later on if uh, it uh, the source ignites. Are true, a lot more fires than you originally have to deal with. Talk about fire after earthquake. It's a big deal. Was it a big deal 20 years ago? It was, and, and uh, to something that I recall vividly, uh, as the day progresses, as you're assessing all the damage, as you're going from structure to tru- structure, rescuing people, turning off gas when you can, uh, seeing what you could uh, do to eliminate some of the hazards, the city tries to come back to normalcy, if you will. So they're trying to get the power back on. So certain uh, na- neighborhoods where the power would be turned off because of this quake were starting to come back on which was good and bad. It's nice to have your power. However, when you have a gas leak and it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, almost 12 hours after the original quake, now you have these fires starting to uh, erupt because no one addressed the gas leak in those houses. How can people be prepared for that kind of eventuality today? Because we know it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Does everybody need to know how to turn off their gas and their water in their home? (laughs) You know, it would be funny if you asked them, could they even find where the gas shutoff is for their home, their their water and electrical? If you said, show me on your house where it's at, most people would say, well, I have no idea. Uh, So going back to your original question, absolutely. You need to, one, find out where it's at. Where is your uh, main water shutoff? Where is your electrical panel? Where is your gas shutoff? And then how do you turn it off? How can you systematically turn it off? How can you uh, make sure that uh, you're doing it correctly? And it's a very simple task, but most people don't take the time to just learn the basics. And they have to do that, you know, before the earthquake strikes. Obviously. Uh, yeah. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. Uh, going to Costco <laughs> to get all that water is great, but not having any when the quake hit is uh, is always an issue. What yep. about, I mean, a majority of, of people in Los Angeles, especially in, in the city, don't live in homes. They live in apartment buildings. Yes. How can an apartment dweller, you know, help with the issue of gas leaks and, and water hazards and that kind of thing after earthquakes? And, and it's a, an excellent point. You really have to evaluate your own personal situation. Are you in a high-rise building? Are you in a, a, 
uh, mobile home, you know, two very different structures. And how would you address those things? One, how could you get out? One of them, you can walk out your, your front door. The other one, you either walk down the stairs, and if there's no power, you can't use the uh, elevator. So you, one, do you have shoes? Do you have clothes? Do you have, you know, stuff that you can do? Do you have equipment to assist with that? And, yes, there's, there's gas shutoffs at, at apartment buildings. Uh, obviously, in the major commercial occupancies, there's, uh, professionals on usually 24 hours a day that can assess those things, and we can assist with that. But uh, if you're living in an apartment building, let's say it's three or four stories, they're usually on one side or the back of the building. Um, the Los Angeles Fire Department tells folks that they need to be able to survive and take care of themselves for at least 72 hours after a major disaster. Can you give us some details? Why 72 hours? What does it mean you need to be able to take care of yourself? Yeah, well, the city of Los Angeles, what is uh, uh, in round figures, 500 square miles, uh, 4 to 5 million people, uh, which depending on whenever the earthquake hits, that just like New York City, it's it's going to swell during business hours. We just had one this morning, uh, an earthquake that was in Fontana that uh, didn't impact L.A., but we all felt it, and we did go into earthquake mode. Um, trying to get fire stations, 106 of them, and X amount of people on duty at one time trying to assist 4 million people, uh, it can't be done. Yeah, plus during work hours. Exactly. Northridge, it struck at 4.30 in the morning. You were at work, but not you know, not the majority of folks that work in L.A. But, I mean, it can swell by 2 million people during the, during the work day, can't it? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So how do you do that? I mean... 106 fire stations, about a little over 3,000 firefighters, 1,000 on duty at any given time. How, how do you manage to take care of that many people and that many square miles? Well, uh, we can't do it alone, obviously. Um, we need the assistance of the civilians themselves. Um, uh, we, um, day in and day out, you call 911, we're there within uh, uh, five minutes or less, uh, and usually that's what we uh, shoot for. Um, obviously in a disaster everything changes we need everybody to work with each other neighborhoods have to work with uh, neighborhoods, uh, people have to work with people um, and uh, let's be honest, not everybody is in need of an emergency, not everybody needs our assistance, but mm -hmm. the ones that do, you need to evaluate going through programs like the fire department offices, CERT program so you can learn these basic skills and maybe even more advanced skills to help do things that we can't even get to you Think about this. What if the roads are blocked and I can't even physically get my apparatus to your house? What then? Mm -hmm. So these are the kind of things that people have to think about now. They need to have escape plans. They need to have, uh, they need to have gear and, and food and survival items on hand so they can, they can be without professional help for a certain amount of time. Um, and we live in earthquake country, and that's, that's just the reality, that we need to prepare for that. Let's go back 20 years. Let's go back to the Northridge earthquake. Tell me, what would you, as a firefighter, as a captain, uh, what would you have done differently if, if you could? Was, is there anything that stands out and said, wow, if I had done this, it would have been better? Or if I hadn't done something, there would have been a disaster. Is there anything that, that, that stands out to you? Well, it, going back to my original statement, there I was asleep, like all of us were at 4.30 in the morning. Um, and I have these books, volumes uh, all around me. Um, 
you know, I, I, I gave the example of uh, uh, hitting your finger with a, uh, a hammer. Well, a book falling on you and not, you know, and hurting you is really not that big of a deal, but it does nag at you all day long. What if I had just taken the normal precautions of securing that shelf and making sure if it did shake, nothing does fall down? Fortunately, I wasn't injured. But all of us have stuff around us. I'm sure if you look at your own bedroom or your own office or whatever, we have you know, cabinets, glass chandeliers. There's all kinds of stuff around us. And if something does shake, you could be injured. But if you have to go on for 72 hours, if you could have avoided that one minor injury right off the bat, then you wouldn't be able to, or you wouldn't be limited rather in doing what you needed to do. So the first thing is take care of the basics. Take care of your immediate surrounding and where you live, where you sleep, and, and then move on from there. Here's the big question. Yes. Are we ready for the next earthquake? We meaning, you know, the community, the very large community of Los Angeles and the fire. Are we ready? Um, <laughs> yeah. it, 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 that's a, it's a tricky question. I think people, a lot of people respond tremendously, heroically even, uh, to what we need to do. A lot of people have already taken precautions. They have water. They have, they've taken training. They know what they're going to do. Many others haven't. So when you say it in such a, a broad term, are we ready? We as a city are a lot better off than others, but we still have issues. So we all have to take care of each other on that one. And how about the fire department? I mean, you guys train 24-7 for this kind of thing. Oh, yeah. You guys are ready, yeah? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, that's comforting. We should end on a comforting note since we're spending this whole month doing uh, Northridge earthquake remembrances and there are some dark stories so for uh battalion chief greg gibson and myself i'm saying goodbye on a very positive note thanks so much for joining us for this my safe la fire and life safety podcast stay tuned we're going to be interviewing a lot more first responders about the northridge earthquake you've been listening to a my safe la fire and life safety podcast my safe la is the public education partner of the los angeles fire department Visit us at mysafela.org and lafd.org.